0: Hello friends, welcome to Gift Girls Faith. I am going to be reading the book of Job today. I know that sounds like a lot. I decided, first I tried to find an excerpt that I liked, and then I decided I just had to do the whole thing, but I needed to edit it because it's just too long and I really want to be able to do it in one sitting and have people get the opportunity to listen to the whole story because it really is best when you hear it from beginning to end Um, and it makes the most sense that way and it's kind of one of these places in the bible where it's not helpful necessarily to pull out a little section out of context because as you as you'll hear the friends may be saying things that if you took it out of context it wouldn't really be reflecting what the author has in mind so that being said i'm going to be reading job this is the new international version In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, "'Where have you come from?' Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamathite, heard all about the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, "'May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said a boy is born, that day may it turn to darkness.'" May God above not care about it, may no light shine upon it, may darkness and deep shadow claim it once more, may a cloud settle over it, may blackness overwhelm its light. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I would be lying down in peace, I would be asleep and at rest— Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden? For sighing comes to me instead of food. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence, and your blameless ways your hope? As I have observed, those who plow evil, and those who sow trouble, reap it. For hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. But if it were I... I would appeal to God, I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He bestows rain on the earth, he sends water upon the countryside, the lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Blessed is the man whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty for he wounds but he also binds up he injures but his hands also heal from six calamities he will rescue you in seven no harm will befall you in famine he will ransom you from death and in battle from the stroke of the sword You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. You will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it is true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. Then Job replied, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Does a wild donkey bray when it has grass or an ox bellow when it has fodder? Is tasteless food eaten without salt, or is there flavor in the white of an egg? I refuse to touch it. Such food makes me ill. Oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut me off. Then I would still have this consolation, my joy and unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams. Now you two have proved to be of no help you see something dreadful and are afraid. Have I ever said, give me something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from your wealth? Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words, but what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct what I say and treat the words of a despairing man as wind? But now be so kind as to look at me. Would I lie to your face? Relent! Do not be unjust. Reconsider, for my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? Can my mouth not discern malice? Does not man have hard service on earth? Are not his days like those of a hired man? So I have been allotted months of futility, and nights of misery have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think, how long before I get up? The night drags on, and I toss till dawn. My body is clothed with worms and scabs. My skin is broken and festering. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or the monster of the deep that you put me under guard? When I think my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, even then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I prefer strangling and death rather than this body of mine. I despise my life. What is man that you make so much of him? That you give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning and test him every moment. Will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust." You will search for me, but I will be no more. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, How long will you say such things? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will look to God and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your rightful place. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Surely God does not reject a blameless man or strengthen the hands of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter "'and your lips with shouts of joy. "'Your enemies will be clothed in shame "'and the tents of the wicked will be no more.' "'Then Job replied, "'Indeed, I know that this is true. "'But how can a mortal be righteous before God? "'Though one wished to dispute with him, "'he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. "'His wisdom is profound. "'His power is vast.' Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? When he passes by, I cannot see him. When he goes by me, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? "'Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. "'I could only plead with my judge for mercy. "'Even if I summoned him and he responded, "'I do not believe he would give me a hearing. "'He would crush me with a storm "'and multiply my wounds for no reason. "'He would not let me regain my breath, "'but would overwhelm me with misery. "'If it is a matter of strength, he is mighty, "'and if it is a matter of justice, who will summon him?' Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. He is not a man like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it is now, I cannot. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the schemes of the wicked? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal, or your years like those of a man, that you must search out my faults and probe after my sin? Though you know that I am not guilty, and that no one can rescue me from your hand, your hands shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? You gave me life and showed me kindness, and in your providence watched over my spirit. But this is what you concealed in your heart, and I know that this was in your mind. If I sinned, you would be watching me and would not let my offense go unpunished. If I am guilty, woe to me! Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in my affliction. If I hold my head high, you stalk me like a lion and again display your awesome power against me. You bring new witnesses against me and increase your anger toward me. Your forces come against me wave upon wave. Why, then, did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. Then Zophar, the Naamathite replied, Will no one rebuke you when you mock? You say to God, My beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. Oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know this. God has even forgotten some of your sin. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then you will lift up your face without shame. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid, and many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp. Then Job replied, Doubtless, you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Who does not know all of these things? I have become a laughingstock to my friends, though I called upon God, and he answered, A mere laughingstock, though righteous and blameless, men at ease have contempt for misfortune. But ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? To God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are his. What he tears down cannot be rebuilt. The man he imprisons cannot be released. If he holds back the waters, there is drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. To him belong strength and victory. Both deceived and deceiver are his. He leads counselors away, stripped, and makes fools of judges. He takes off the shackles put on by kings and ties a loincloth around their waist. He leads priests away stripped and overthrows men long established. He silences the lips of trusted advisers and takes away the discernment of the elders. He pours contempt on nobles and disarms the mighty. He reveals the deep things of darkness and brings deep shadows into the light. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. He deprives the leaders of the earth of their reason. He sends them wandering through a trackless waste. They grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. My eyes have seen all this. My ears have heard and understood it. What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, but I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. You, however, smear me with lies. You are worthless physicians, all of you. If only you would altogether be silent. For you, that would be wisdom. Will you argue the case for God? Would it turn well if he examined you? Could you deceive him as you might deceive men? Your maxims are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Keep silent and let me speak. Then let come to me what may. Only grant me these two things, O God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me, and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me, and I will answer, or let me speak, and you reply. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He springs up like a flower and withers away, like a fleeting shadow he does not endure. Do you fix your eye on such a one? Will you bring him before your judgment? If only you would hide me in the grave and conceal me till your anger has passed. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Surely then you will count my steps but not keep track of my sin. My offenses will be sealed up in a bag. You will cover over my sin. But as a mountain erodes and crumbles, and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and torrents wash away the soil, so you destroy man's hope. You overpower him once for all, and he is gone. If his sons are honored, he does not know it. If they are brought low, he does not see it. He feels but the pain of his own body and mourns only for himself. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, Would a wise man answer with empty notions or fill his belly with the hot east wind? Would he argue with these useless words with speeches that have no value? But you even undermine piety and hinder devotion to God. Your sin prompts your mouth. You adopt the tongue of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, not mine. Your own lips testify against you. Are you the first man ever born? Were you brought forth before the hills? Do you listen in on God's counsel? Do you limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we do not know? What insights do you have that we do not have? The gray-haired and the aged are on our side, men even older than your father. Are God's consolations not enough for you? Words spoken gently to you. Why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash so that you vent your rage against God and pour out such words from your mouth? Listen to me and I will explain to you. Let me tell you what I have seen, what wise men have declared. All his days the wicked man suffers torment. Terrifying sounds fill his ears. When all seems well, marauders attack him. He despairs of escaping the darkness. He is marked for the sword. He wanders about, food for vultures. Distress and anguish fill him with terror because he shakes his fist at God and vaunts himself against the Almighty, defiantly charging against him with a thick, strong shield. Then Job replied, I have heard many things like these. Miserable comforters are you all. "'Will your long-winded speeches never end? "'What ails you that you keep on arguing? "'I also could speak like you if you were in my place. "'I could make fine speeches against you "'and shake my head at you, "'but my mouth would encourage you. "'Comfort from my lips would bring you relief. "'Yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved, "'and if I refrain, it does not go away. "'Surely, oh God, you have worn me out. "'You have devastated my entire household.' You have bound me, and it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and buried my brow in the dust. My face is red with weeping. Shadows ring my eyes. Yet my hands have been free of violence, and my prayer is pure. But come on, all of you, try again. I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed, my plans are shattered, and so are the desires of my heart. These men turn night into day. In the face of darkness, they say, light is near. If the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father, and to the worm, my mother or my sister, then where is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? Then Bildad the Shuite replied, When will you end these speeches? Be sensible, and then we can talk. Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself to pieces in your anger. The lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. The flame of his fire stops burning. The vigor of his step is weakened. His own schemes throw him down. His feet thrust him into a net and he wanders into its mesh. A noose is hidden for him on the ground. A trap lies in his path. Terrors startle him on every side and dog is every step. Calamity is hungry for him. Disaster is ready for him when he falls. Then Job replied, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. Indeed, you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me. Then I know that God has wronged me. Though I cry, I've been wronged, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. He has alienated my brothers from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My kinsmen have gone away. My friends have forgotten me. My guests and maidservants count me a stranger. They look upon me as an alien. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own brothers. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped with only the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends, have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end He will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me! If you say how we will hound Him since the root of the trouble lies in Him, you should fear the sword yourselves. For wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. Then Zophor, the Naamathite replied, My troubled thoughts prompt me to answer because I am greatly disturbed. I hear a rebuke that dishonors me, and my understanding inspires me to reply. Surely you know how it has been from of old, ever since man was placed on the earth, that the mirth of the wicked is brief. The joy of the godless lasts but a moment. Though his pride reaches to the heavens and his head touches the clouds, he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? Like a dream, he flies away, no more to be found, banished like a vision of the night. The youthful vigor that fills his bones will lie with him in the dust. Though evil is sweet in his mouth and he hides it under his tongue, though he cannot bear to let it go and keeps it in his mouth, Yet his food will turn sour in his stomach. It will become the venom of serpents within him. Surely he will have no respite from his craving, and he cannot save himself by his treasure. Nothing is left for him to devour. His prosperity will not endure. In the midst of his plenty, distress will overtake him. A flood will carry off his house, rushing waters on the day of God's wrath. Such is the fate God allots the wicked. Then Job replied, Listen carefully to my words. Let this be the consolation you give me. Bear with me while I speak, and after I have spoken, mock on. Is my complaint directed to a man? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be astonished. Clap your hand over your mouth. When I think about this, I am terrified. Trembling seizes my body. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? They see their children established around them. Their homes are safe and free from fear. Their bulls never fail to breed. Their cows calve and do not miscarry. They send forth their children as a flock. Their little ones dance about. They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Yet they say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? What would we gain by praying to him? But their prosperity is not in their own hands. So I stand aloof from the counsel of the wicked. Can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges even the highest? One man dies in full vigor, completely secure and at ease. His body well nourished, his bones rich with marrow. Another man dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. Side by side, they lie in the dust. "'and worms cover them both. "'So how can you console me with your nonsense? "'Nothing is left of your answers but falsehood.'" Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, "'Can a man be of benefit to God? "'Can even a wise man benefit him? "'What pleasure would it give the Almighty "'if you were righteous? "'What would he gain if your ways were blameless?' Is it not for your piety that he rebukes you and brings charges against you? Is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? You demand security from your brothers for no reason. You stripped men of their clothing, leaving them naked. You gave no water to the weary, and you withheld food from the hungry. Though you were a powerful man owning land, an honored man living on it, and you sent widows away empty-handed and broke the strength of the fatherless. That is why snares are all around you, why sudden peril terrifies you, why it is so dark you cannot see, and why a flood of water covers you. Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and will lift up your face to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will fulfill your vows. What you decide on will be done and light will shine on your ways. When men are brought low and you say, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. He will deliver even one who is not innocent, who will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. Then Job replied, even today, my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him, if only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Would he oppose me with great power? No, he would not press charges against me. There an upright man could present his case before him and I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? Men move boundary stones, they pasture flocks they have stolen, they drive away the orphan's donkey and take the widow's ox and pledge, they thrust the needy from the path and force all the poor of the land into hiding, The fatherless child is snatched from the breast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. They carry the sheaves, but still go hungry. They tread the wine presses, yet suffer thirst. The groans of the dying rise from the city, and the souls of the wounded cry out for help. But God charges no one with wrongdoing. There are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its ways or stay in its paths. When daylight is gone, the murderer rises up and kills the poor and needy. In the night, he steals forth like a thief. But God drags away the mighty by his power. Though they become established, they have no assurance of life. He may let them rest in a feeling of security, but his eyes are on their ways. For a little while they are exalted, and then they are gone. They are brought low and gathered up like all others. If this is not so, who can prove me false and reduce my words to nothing? Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? How can one born of woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright, and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less a man who is but a maggot, a son of man who is only a worm! Then Job replied, Death is naked before God, destruction lies uncovered. By his breath the skies became fair, his hand pierced the gliding serpent, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him! Who then can understand the thunder of his power? As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, and my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit that you are in the right. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says it is not in me. The sea says it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed in silver. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it, and he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. When the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me, because I rescued the poor who cried out for help and the fatherless who had none to assist him. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. I thought, I will die in my own house, my days as numerous as the grains of sand. My roots will reach to the water, and the dew will lie all night on my branches. My glory will remain fresh in me, the bough ever new in my hand. Men listen to me expectantly, waiting in silence for my counsel. But now they mock me, men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. They detest me and keep their distance. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me, they throw off restraint in my presence. On my right, the tribe attacks. They lay snares for my feet. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. Surely no one lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came, and when I looked for light, then came darkness. I have become a brother of jackals, a companion of owls. My harp is tuned to mourning, and my flute to the sound of wailing. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door— then may my wife grind another man's grain, and may other men sleep with her, for that would have been shameful, a sin, to be judged. If I have denied justice to my men servants and maid servants when they had a grievance against me, what will I do when God confronts me? What will I answer when he calls me to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? If I have denied the desires of the poor, or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth I reared him as would a father, and from my birth I guided the widow, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing, or a needy man without a garment, and his heart did not bless me for warming him with the fleece from my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall from the shoulder, let it be broken off at the joint, for I dreaded destruction from God, and for fear of his splendor I could not do such things. If I have put my trust in gold, or said to pure gold, you are my security, if I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained, if If I have regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, then these also would be sins to be judged, for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. If I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune or gloated over the trouble that came to him, if I have concealed my sin, as men do, by hiding my guilt in my heart because I feared the crowd— if my land cries out against me, and all its furrows are wet with tears, if I have devoured its yield without payment, or broken the spirit of its tenants, then let briars come up instead of wheat, and weeds instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. So these three men stopped answering Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes, but Elihu, son of Barachel the Buzite of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and had yet condemned him. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barachel the Buzite, said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. But now, Job, listen to my words. Pay attention to everything I say. "'My words come from an upright heart. "'My lips sincerely speak what I know. "'The Spirit of God has made me. "'The breath of the Almighty gives me life. "'Answer me then if you can. "'Prepare yourself and confront me. "'You have said in my hearing, I heard the very words, "'I am pure and without sin. "'I am clean and free from guilt. "'Yet God has found fault with me. "'He considers me his enemy.' But I tell you, in this you are not right, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings, to turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit. Yet, if there is an angel on his side as a mediator, one out of a thousand, to tell a man what is right for him, to be gracious to him and say, Spare him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom for him. Then his flesh is renewed like a child's. It is restored as in the days of his youth. He prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy. He is restored by God to his righteous state. Then he comes to men and says, I sinned and perverted what was right, but I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light. God does all these things to a man, twice, even three times, to turn back his soul from the pit, that the light of life may shine on him. Pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak." Hear my words, you wise men. Listen to me, you men of learning. For the ear tests words as the tongue tastes food. Let us discern for ourselves what is right. Let us learn together what is good. Job says, I am innocent, but God denies me justice. Although I am right, I am considered a liar. Although I am guiltless, his arrow inflicts an incurable wound. What is a man like Job who drinks scorn like water? For he says, it profits a man nothing when he tries to please God. So listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. He repays a man for what he has done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Who appointed him over the earth? If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to what I say. Can he who hates justice govern? Will you condemn the just and mighty one? Is he not the one who says to kings, you are worthless, to nobles, you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes? and does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. His eyes are on the ways of men. He sees their every step. There is no dark place, no deep shadow where evildoers can hide. Suppose a man says to God, I am guilty, but will offend no more. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I will not do so again. Should God then reward you on your terms when you refuse to repent? You must decide, not I. So tell me what you know. Men of understanding, declare. Wise men who hear me say to me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words lack insight. Oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost for answering like a wicked man. To his sin, he adds rebellion. Scornfully he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Then Elihu said, Do you think this is just? You say, I will be cleared by God, yet you ask him, What profit is it to me, and what do I gain by not sinning? I would like to reply to you and to your friends with you Look up at the heavens and see. Gaze at the clouds so high above you. If you sin, how does that affect him? If your sins are many, what does that do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects only a man like yourself, and your righteousness only the sons of men. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Remember to extol his work, which men have praised in song. All mankind has seen it. Men gaze on it from afar. How great is God beyond our understanding. At this my heart pounds and leaps from its place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang, poised, those wonders of him who is perfect in knowledge? Tell us what we should say to him. We cannot draw up our case because of our darkness. Should he be told that I want to speak? Would any man ask to be swallowed up? The Almighty is beyond our reach and exalted in power." In his justice and great righteousness he does not oppress, therefore men revere him. For does he not have regard for all the wise in heart? Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I said, this far you may come, and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning, or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep, Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his habitat. He laughs at the commotion in the town. He does not hear a driver's shout. He ranges the hills for his pasture and searches for any green thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Can you hold him to the furrow with a harness? Will he till the valleys behind you? Will you rely on him for his great strength? Will you leave your heavy work to him? Can you trust him to bring in your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the pinions and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. Yet, when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Do you give the horse his strength, or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust striking terror with his proud snorting? He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings toward the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food. His eyes detect it from afar. His young ones feast on blood, and where the slain are, there he is. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Look at the behemoth. Which I made along with you, and which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength he has in his loins, what power in the muscles of his belly! He ranks first among the works of God, yet his Maker can approach him with his sword. The hills bring him their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus plants he lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. When the river rages he is not alarmed, he is secure, though the Jordan should surge against his mouth. Can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him and pierce his nose? Can you pull in the leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? Any hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and will not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again, and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters, and every one who had known him before, came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 yoke of oxen, and a 1,000 donkeys, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima the second, Kezia, and the 3rd Karen Karin-Hapitch. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so he died old and full of years. What a story. I love that. And one of the things I love about Job is that it is so complex and no theologian can quite pin it down. And you you hear all kinds of little teachings based from one section or another, but people never really quite can fit it into any box. And I love that about it. It's a little bit messy. It has some contradictions in it. You know, it's set up so that you see that the friends are somewhat um, narrow in their thinking or even. Not comforting in the way that Job needs, not not compassionate uh, enough, and yet some of what they say is true, or that he acknowledges that some of what they say is true. My favorite part is the end, just where God speaks. I just and this is really the reason why I thought it would pair it with toxic charity, even though it's not a really obvious pairing. The thing about toxic charity and the conversation about how to enter into helping the last, the lost and the least well is that it requires so much humility and a spirit of learning and a spirit of growth. And so that is why I thought Job would be a good fit because one of the things I love about this is he does change and grow. You know, he starts off so broken and almost with no energy and then he gets really passionate and angry and then he comes back to a place of humility ultimately. So just and even the his friends have a an arc as we would say in the theater. You know, there's really an interesting growth here like people come in and they end the story differently than where they were but the reason i love this this i love this section at the end where the where the lord speaks to job and has just all these images from creation one after the other and you just can't help but feel humble hearing that and and in awe and wonder of the creation so that is why i wanted to share it with you guys and i wanted to pair it with this i had a really fun time deciding where to cut it. I really tried. I tried not to cut out just parts that I was confused by. You know, I think there's so many messed up teachings because people just cut out the parts they don't like instead of instead of taking as a whole and saying, well, what was the historical context? Why is this part prickly for me? Is there a part I don't agree with? And so that can be uncomfortable, that sort of thing. So I was really delighted to to edit it so that we could listen to it in one sitting, but also um, really tried. I never, I didn't cut any one entire section. So I made little cuts within, just because it is very um, fully expressed. So sometimes, if someone fully expressed a thought for seven verses, I just took one or two, that sort of thing. So I, I also cut the, the section I cut the most from was Leviathan, uh, in chapter forty-one. Uh, just because I don't know. I just felt like uh, Leviathan is confusing to me. I know in some parts of the Bible, it refers to something like um, a spiritual darkness or um, sort of more of a mystical metaphor. But in other parts, it just means a whale. So for me, it was it's long. It's an entire chapter about Leviathan. So I just did a little part of that. And uh, if you want to read all about Leviathan and decide whether he's talking about an actual whale or if he's talking about some spiritual darkness, a power of darkness there, um, that could be an interesting conversation. And that's what I love about uh, approaching the scriptures this way with an open, curious, exploratory mindset. One more thing before I sign off here. I just have to acknowledge the timing of this that I'm reading this particular text and this this ancient story in the time of a pandemic uh, I just that I I couldn't help but reflect on that and uh, I just want to acknowledge that to date 1,159,646 people have died so far from the coronavirus so this story is so much about lament and grief. And are we, does God accept complaint and rage from us? And I just think it's a really powerful time to hear this story. And I believe that God uh, accepts our rage and complaint. And I think this story shows us that. But it brings up a lot of other questions that we experience during a time of loss or confusion like we're in right now. That can't be answered, you know, the friends and Job are constantly talking about, is this God's responsibility? Is this our responsibility? How much is it something that a person brings on themselves? And ultimately, I think they land somewhere around, we can't ever understand it. And that when God does respond, what he does is he pulls everybody back to creation and to living in the moment and the um, beauty and the power of creation all around. And he pulls them back to that simple grounding reality. So I just want to acknowledge that and I lift up all the families of the people that have passed away and their laments and I hold them in the light today. Thank you so much for joining me. You can always visit our website at giftgirls.blog and you can email us there. Um, Also, you can visit us on the Facebook page, Gift Girls Faith, and let us know what you think. We always love to hear from people. Thank you very much. Have a great day.